Letter one hundred and two, part one of Pamela, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, volume two, by Samuel Richardson. Letter one hundred and two, part one. My dear Lady G. I will cheerfully cause to be transcribed for you the conversation you desire between myself, Mrs. Towers, and Lady Arthur, and the three young ladies, their relations, in presence of the dean and his daughter and Mrs. Brooks, and glad I shall be if it may be of use to the two thoughtless misses, your neighbors, who, you are pleased to tell me, are great admirers of my story and my example, and will therefore, as you say, pay greater attention to what I write than to the more passionate and interested lessons of their mamma i am only sorry you should be concerned about the supposed trouble you give me by having mislaid my former relation of it for besides obliging my dear lady g the hope of doing service by it to a family so worthy in a case so nearly affecting its honour as to make two headstrong young ladies recollect what belongs to their sex and their characters and what their filial duties require of them affords me high pleasure and if it shall be attended with the wished effects it will add to my happiness i said cause to be transcribed because i hope to answer a double end by it for on reconsideration i set miss goodwin to transcribe it who writes a pretty hand and is not a little fond of the task nor indeed of any task i set her and will be more affected as she performs it than she could be by reading it only although she is a very good girl at present and gives me hopes that she will continue to be so i will enclose it when done that it may be read to the parties without this introduction if you think fit and you will forgive me for having added a few observations with a view to the cases of your inconsiderate young ladies and for having corrected the former narrative in several places my dear lady g the papers you have mislaid as to the conversation between me and the young ladies relations of mrs towers and lady anne arthur in presence of these two last-named ladies mrs brooks and the worthy dean and miss l of which in order to perfect your kind recollection of my communications you request another copy contained as follows i first stated that i had seen these three ladies twice or thrice before as visitors at their kinswomen's houses so that they and i were not altogether strangers to one another and my two neighbours acquainted me with their respective tastes and dispositions and their histories preparatory to this visit to the following effects that miss stapleton is overrun with the love of poetry and romance and delights in flowery language and metaphorical flourishes is about eighteen wants not either sense or politeness and has read herself into a vein more amorous that was mrs towers's word than discreet has extraordinary notions of a first-sight love and gives herself greater liberties with a pair of fine eyes in hopes to make sudden conquests in pursuance of that notion than is pretty in her sex and age which makes those who know her not conclude her bold and forward 
and is more than suspected with a mind thus prepared for instantaneous impressions to have experienced the argument to her own disadvantage and to be struck by before she had stricken a gentleman whom her friends think not at all worthy of her and to whom she was making some indiscreet advances under the name of philoclea to philoxenus in a letter which she entrusted to a servant of the family who discovering her design prevented her indiscretion for that time that in other respects she has no mean accomplishments will have a fine fortune is genteel in her person though with some visible affectation dances well sings well and plays prettily on several instruments is fond of reading but affects the action and air and attitude of a tragedian and is too apt to give an emphasis in the wrong place in order to make an author mean significantly even where the occasion is common and in a mere historical fact there requires as much simplicity in the reader's accent as in the writer's style no wonder then that when she reads a play she will put herself into a sweat as mrs towers says distorting very agreeable features and making a multitude of wry mouths with one very pretty one in order to convince her hearers what a near neighbour her heart is to her lips miss cope is a young lady of nineteen lovely in her person with a handsome fortune in possession and great prospects has a soft and gentle turn of mind which disposes her to be easily imposed upon is addressed by a libertine of quality whose courtship while permitted was imperiousness and whose tenderness insult having found the young lady too susceptible of impression open and unreserved and even valuing him the more as it seemed for treating her with ungenerous contempt for that she was always making excuses for slights ill manners and even rudeness which no other young lady would forgive that this docility on her side and this insolence on his and an over-free and even indecent degree of romping as it is called with her which once her mamma surprised them in made her papa forbid his visits and her receiving them that this however was so much to miss cope's regret that she was detected in a design to elope to him out of the private garden door which had she effected in all probability the indelicate and dishonourable peer would have triumphed over her innocence having given out since that he intended to revenge himself on the daughter for the disgrace he had received from the parents that though convinced of this it was feared she still loved him and would again throw herself in his way urging that his rash expressions were the effect only of his passion for that she knows he loves her too well to be dishonourable to her and by the same degree of favourable prepossession she will have it that his brutal roughness is the manliness of his nature that his most shocking expressions are sincerity of heart that his boasts of former lewdness are but instances that he knows the world that his freedoms with her person are but an excess of love and innocent gaiety of temper that his resenting the prohibition he has met with and his threats are other instances of his love and his courage and peers of the realm ought not to be bound down by little narrow rules like the vulgar for truly their honour is in the greatest cases regarded as equal with the oath of a common gentleman and is a security that a lady may trust to if he is not a profligate indeed and that lord p cannot be 
that accepting these weaknesses miss has many good qualities is charitable pious humane humble sings sweetly plays on the spinet charmingly is meek fearful and never was resolute or courageous enough to step out of the regular path till her too flexible heart became touched with a passion that is said to polish the most brutal temper and therefore her rough peer has none of it and to animate the dove of which miss cope has too much that miss sutton a young lady of the like age with the two former has too lively and airy a turn of mind affects to be thought well read in the histories of kingdoms as well as in polite literature speaks french fluently talks much upon all subjects and has a great deal of flippant wit which makes more enemies than friends however is innocent and unsuspectedly virtuous hitherto but makes herself cheap and accessible to fops and rakes and has not the worse opinion of a man for being such listens eagerly to stories told to the disadvantage of some of her own sex though affecting to be a great stickler for the honour of it in general will unpityingly propagate them thinks without considering to what the imprudence of her own conduct may subject her the woman that slips inexcusable and the man who seduces her much less faulty and thus encourages the one sex in their vileness and gives up the other for their weakness in a kind of silly affectation to show her security in her own virtue at the same time that she is dancing upon the edge of a precipice presumptuously inattentive to her own danger the worthy dean knowing the lady's intention in this visit to me brought his daughter with him as if by accident for miss l with many good qualities is of a remarkable soft temper though not so inconsiderately soft as miss cope but is too credulous and as her papa suspects entertains more than a liking to a wild young gentleman the heir to a noble fortune who makes visits to her full of tenderness and respect but without declaring himself this gives the dean much uneasiness and he is very desirous that his daughter should be in my company on all occasions as she is so kind to profess a great regard to my opinion and judgment tis easy to see the poor young lady is in love and she makes no doubt that the young gentleman loves her but alas why then for he is not a bashful man as you shall hear does he not say so he has deceived already two young creatures his father has cautioned the dean against his son has told him that he is sly subtle full of stratagem yet has so much command of himself which makes him more dangerous as not to precipitate his designs but can wait with patience till he thinks himself secure of his prey and then pulls off the mask at once and if he succeeds glories in his villainy yet does his father beg of the dean to permit his visits for he wishes him to marry miss l though greatly unequal in fortune to his son wishing for nothing so much as that he would marry and the dean owing his principal preferment to the old gentleman cares not to disoblige him or affront his son without some apparent reason for it especially as the father is wrapped up in him having no other child and being himself half afraid of him least if too much thwarted he should fly out entirely 
So here, madam, are four young ladies of like years and different inclinations and tempers, all of whom may be said to have dangers to encounter, resulting from their respective dispositions, and who, professing to admire my character and example, were brought to me to be benefited, as Mrs. Towers was pleased to say, by my conversation, and all was to be as if accidental, none of them knowing how well I was acquainted with their several characters." how proud would this compliment have made me from such a lady as mrs towers had i not been as proud as proud could be before of the good opinion of four beloved persons mr b lady davers the countess of c and your dear self we were attended only by polly barlow who in some points was as much concerned as anybody and this being when lord and lady davers and the noble countess were with us tis proper to say they were abroad together upon a visit from which knowing how i was to be engaged they excused me the dean was well known to and valued by all the ladies and therefore was no manner of restraint upon the freedom of our conversation i was in my closet when they came and mrs towers having presented each young lady to me when i came down said being all seated i can guess at your employment mrs b writing i dare say i have often wished to have you for a correspondent for every one who can boast of that favour exalts you to the skies and says your letters exceed your conversation but i always insisted upon it that that was impossible mrs towers said i is always saying the most obliging things in the world of her neighbours but may not one suffer dear madam for these kind prepossessions in the opinion of greater strangers who will judge more impartially than your favour will permit you to do that said lady arthur will be so soon put out of doubt when mrs b begins to speak that we will refer to that and to put an end to everything that looks like compliment but mrs b says mrs towers may one ask what particular subject was at this time your employment i had been writing you must know lady g for the sake of suiting miss stapleton's flighty vein a little sketch of the style she is so fond of and hoped for some such opportunity as this question gave me to bring it on the carpet for my only fear with her and miss cope and miss sutton was that they would deem me too grave and so what should fall in the course of conversation would make the least impression upon them for the best instructions you know will be ineffectual if the manner of conveying them is not adapted to the taste and temper of the person you would wish to influence and moreover i had a view in it to make this little sketch the introduction to some future observations on the stiff and affected style of romances which might put miss stapleton out of conceit with them and make her turn the course of her studies another way as i shall mention in its place i answered that i had been meditating upon the misfortunes of a fine young lady who had been seduced and betrayed by a gentleman she loved and who notwithstanding had the grace to stop short indeed later than were to be wished and to abandon friends country lover in order to avoid any further intercourse with him and that god had blessed her penitence and resolution and she was now very happy in a neighbouring dominion a fine subject said miss stapleton was the gentleman a man of wit madam was the lady a woman of taste 
we condemn every man who dresses well and is not a sloven as a fop or a coxcomb no doubt when this is the case but you hardly ever saw a man very nice about his person and dress that had anything he thought of greater consequence to himself to regard tis natural it should be so for should not the man of body take the greater care to set out and adorn the part for which he thinks himself most valuable and will not the man of mind bestow his principal care in improving that mind perhaps to the neglect of dress and outward appearance which is a fault but surely madam there is a middle way to be observed in these as in most other cases for a man need not be a sloven any more than a fop he need not show an utter disregard to dress nor yet think it his first and chief concern be ready to quarrel with the wind for discomposing his peruke or fear to put on his hat lest he should depress his foretop more dislike a spot upon his clothes than in his reputation be a self-admirer and always at the glass which he would perhaps never look into could it show him the deformity of his mind as well as the finery of his person who has a tailor for his tutor and a milliner for his schoolmistress who laughs at men of sense excusably enough perhaps in revenge because they laugh at him who calls learning pedantry and looks upon the knowledge of the fashions as the only useful science to a fine gentleman pardon me ladies i could proceed with the character of this species of men but i need not for every lady present would despise such an one as much as i do were he to fall in her way or the rather because he who admires himself will never admire his lady as he ought and if he maintains his niceness after marriage it will be with a preference to his own person if not will sink very probably into the worst of slovens for whoever is capable of one extreme take almost the cases of human life through when he recedes from that if he be not a man of prudence will go over into the other but to return to the former subject for the general attention encouraged me to proceed permit me miss sutton to add that a lady must run great risks to her reputation if not to her virtue who will admit into her company any gentleman who shall be of opinion and know it to be hers that it is his province to ask a favour which it will be her duty to deny i believe madam i spoke these words a little too carelessly but i meant honourable questions to be sure there can be but one honourable question replied i and that is seldom asked but when the affair is brought near a conclusion and there is a probability of its being granted and which a single lady while she has parents or guardians should never think of permitting to be put to herself much less of approving nor perhaps as the case may be of denying but i make no doubt that you meant honourable questions a young lady of miss sutton's good sense and worthy character could not mean otherwise and i have said perhaps more than i need upon the subject because we all know how ready the presuming of the other sex are right or wrong to construe the most innocent meetings in favour of their own views very true said she but appeared to be under an agreeable confusion every lady by her eye seeming to think she had met with a deserved rebuke and which not seeming to expect it abated her liveliness all the time after mrs towers seasonably relieved us both from a subject too applicable if i may so express it saying but dear mrs b will you favour us with the result of your meditation if committed to writing on the unhappy case you mentioned 
i was rather madam exercising my fancy than my judgment such as it is upon the occasion i was aiming at a kind of allegorical or metaphorical style i know not which to call it and it is not fit to be read before such judges i doubt oh pray dear madam said miss stapleton favour us with it to choose for i am a great admirer of that style i have a great curiosity said lady arthur both from the subject and the style to hear what you have written and i beg you will oblige us all it is short and unfinished it was written for the sake of a friend who is fond of such a style and what i shall add to it will be principally some slight observations upon this way of writing but let it be ever so censurable i should be more so if i made any difficulties after such an unanimous request so taking it out of my letter-case i read as follows while the banks of discretion keep the proud water of passion within their natural channel all calm and serene glides along the silver current enlivening the adjacent meadows as it passes with a brighter and more flowery verdure but if the torrents of sensual love are permitted to descend from the hills of credulous hope they may so swell the gentle stream as to make it difficult if not impossible to be retained betwixt its usual bounds what then will be the consequence why the trees of resolution and the shrubs of cautious fear which grew upon the frail mound and whose intertwining roots had contributed to support it being loosened from their hold they and all that would swim of the bank itself will be seen floating on the surface of the triumphant waters but here a dear lady having unhappily failed is enabled to set her foot in the new-made breach while yet it is possible to stop it and to say with little variation in the language of that power which only could enable her to say it hither ye proud waves of dissolute love although you have come yet no farther shall ye come is such an instance of magnanimous resolution and self-conquest as is very rarely to be met with miss stapleton seemed pleased as i expected and told me that she should take it for a high favour to be permitted if not improper to see the whole letter when finished i said i would oblige her with all my heart but you must not expect madam that although i have written what i have read to you i shall approve of it in my observations upon it for i am convinced that no style can be proper which is not plain simple easy natural and unaffected she was sure she was pleased to say that whatever my observations were they would be equally just and instructive i too said the dean will answer for that for i dare say by what i have already heard that mrs b will distinguish properly between the style and the matter too which captivates the imagination and that which informs the judgment our conversation after this took a more general turn which i thought right lest the young ladies should imagine it was a design thing against them yet it was such that every one of them found her character and taste little or much concerned in it and all seemed as mrs towers afterwards observed to me by their silence and attention to be busied in private applications the dean began it with a high compliment to me having a view no doubt by his kind praises to make my observations have the greater weight upon the young ladies he said it was matter of great surprise to him that my tender years considered i should be capable of making those reflections by which persons of twice my age and experience might be instructed you see madam said he our attention when your lips begin to open and i beg we may have nothing to do but to be attentive 
i have had such advantages sir from the observations and cautions of my late excellent lady that did you but know half of them you would rather wonder i had made no greater improvement than that i have made so much she used to think me pretty and not ill-tempered and of course not incredulous where i conceived a good opinion and was always arming me on that side as believing i might be the object of wicked attempts and the rather as my low fortune subjected me to danger for had i been born to rank and condition as these young ladies here i should have had reason to think of myself as justly as no doubt they do and of consequence beyond the reach of any vile intriguer as i should have been above the greatest part of that species of mankind who for want of understanding or honour or through pernicious habits give themselves up to libertinism these were great advantages said miss sutton but in you they met with a surprising genius tis very plain madam that there is not in my opinion a lady of england of your years who would have improved by them as you have done i answered that i was much obliged by her good opinion and that i had always observed the person who admired any good qualities in another gave a kind of natural demonstration that she had the same in an eminent degree herself although perhaps her modest diffidence would not permit her to trace the generous principle to its source the dean to renew the subject of credulity repeated my remark that it was safer in cases where so much depended upon the issue as a lady's honour and reputation to fear an enemy than to hope a friend and praised my observation that even a weak enemy is not to be too much despised i said i had very high notions of the honour and value of my own sex and very mean ones of the gay and frothy part of the other insomuch that i thought they could have no strength but what was founded in our weakness that the difference of education must give men advantages even where the genius is naturally equal besides they have generally more hardness of heart which makes women where they meet not with men of honour engage with that sex upon very unequal terms for that it is so customary with them to make vows and promises and to set light by them when made that an innocent lady cannot guard too watchfully against them and in my opinion should believe nothing they said or even vowed but what carried demonstration with it i remember my lady used often to observe there is a time of life in all young persons which may properly be called the romantic which is a very dangerous period and requires therefore a great guard of prudence that the risk is not a little augmented by reading novels and romances and the poetical tribe have much to answer for by reason of their heightened and inflaming descriptions which do much hurt to thoughtless minds and lively imaginations for to those she would have it are principally owing the rashness and indiscretion of soft and tender dispositions which in breach of their duty and even to the disgrace of their sex to frequently set them upon enterprises like those they have read in those pernicious writings which not seldom make them fall a sacrifice to the base designs of some wild intriguer and even in cases where their precipitation ends the best that is to say in marriage they too frequently in direct opposition to the cautions and commands of their tried their experienced and unquestionable friends throw themselves upon an almost stranger who had he been worthy of them would not nor needed to have taken indirect methods to obtain their favour and the misfortune is the most innocent are generally the most credulous 
such a lady would do no harm to others and cannot think others would do her any and as to the particular person who has obtained perhaps a share in her confidence he cannot she thinks be so ungrateful as to return irreparable mischief for her good will to him were all the men in the world besides to prove false the beloved person cannot twould be unjust to her own merit as well as to his views to suppose it and so design on his side and credulity and self-opinion on the ladies at last enrolled the unhappy believer in the list of the two late repenters and what madam said the dean has not that wretch to answer for who makes sport of destroying a virtuous character and in being the wicked means of throwing perhaps upon the town and into the dregs of prostitution a poor creature whose love for him and confidence in him was all her crime and who otherwise might have made a worthy figure at the head of a reputable family and so have been an useful member of the commonwealth propagating good examples instead of ruin and infamy to mankind to say nothing of what is still worse the dreadful crime of occasioning the loss of a soul since final impenitence too generally follows the first sacrifice which the poor wretch is seduced to make of her honour there are several gentlemen in our neighbourhood said mrs brooks who might be benefited by this touching reflection if represented in the same strong lights from the pulpit and i think mr dean you should give us a sermon upon this subject for the sake of both sexes one for caution the other for conviction i will think of it replied he but i am sorry to say that we have too many among our younger gentry who would think themselves pointed at were i to touch this subject ever so cautiously i am sure said mrs towers there cannot well be a more useful one and the very reason the dean gives is a convincing proof of it to me when i have had the pleasure of hearing the further sentiments of such an assembly as this upon the delicate subject replied this polite divine i shall be better enabled to treat it and pray ladies proceed for it is from your conversation that i must take my hints you have only then said mrs towers to engage mrs b to speak and you may be sure we will all be as attentive to her as we shall be to you when we have the pleasure to hear so fine a genius improving upon her hints from the pulpit end of letter one hundred and two part one